Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. Have you ever wanted to have the body of a superhero? Or have you dreamed of living a life full of adventure and self-discovery? If you have, or if it's something you've only dreamt about, this is an episode you don't want to miss. The man you're about to get to know today not only can give you that rockin' superhero body, but he can show you how to live a life full of experience and adventure. How can I guarantee this? Well, for starters, he has been the trainer of Superman. Yes, I said it, Superman. He has also lived a life full of adventure throughout the world and spends his time helping other people achieve the same results. Let's give a superhero welcome to Roar Alexander. Roar, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ace. It's a pleasure to be here. I love the name Superhero by Design. My original podcast was actually called Health by Design. So I was like, but design, such a good idea. Oh, I agree. And I know we are going to have a fantastic episode ahead of us. We were just speaking uh, a few minutes before we went live. And there's just so much synergy between your mission and mine. And I'm very excited to share your story and your services with my listeners. Awesome. I am as well. So Roar is a trainer, coach, and fellow podcaster who helps and empowers people to transform their bodies and their minds to become real life superheroes. You can find more information on Roar and his coaching on his website at www.roaralexander.com. And by the way, Roar is spelled R-O-R, roaralexander.com. He also, as I mentioned earlier, has a podcast called Barbells to Buddhas. So definitely check that out. And you can follow him on Instagram at over40fitguy. It's 4040, over40fitguy. So before we jump into celebrities and superheroes and such, I'd like to ask you this very important question. How you doing, man? I'm excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. It's a little cloudy Vancouver today, but besides that, I got my SAD lamp on over here. I'm feeling good. Cup of coffee, a sad lamp, ready to rock. That's right. Caffeine and vitamin D. That's the way to start out a good morning for sure. So let's jump right into it. Before you are became Roar Alexander, the world traveler, the celebrity fitness trainer, what would your uh, you say your life look like before all of this? Um, to be honest, it was pretty normal, kind of boring, mundane. Um, I really didn't even leave my hometown till I was 30. So I was living in my hometown. I was 30, never really taking a trip anywhere. I've been out to Vancouver once, um, which was pretty much the extent. I actually did go to England when I was 17, but that we don't want to get into that. That was a mess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was really in my hometown till I was 30, just doing the same thing. And I was just like, oh, this is just terrible. Graduated with a bunch of debt with a degree that really was useless. You know, I got a degree, not useless, I should say, but, you know, I got a degree in psych- psychology, which, of course, a BA in psychology just means begin again. Because without a master's, you know, without at least a master's, you can't do anything with it. So it's like, okay, worked at Blockbuster Video. I was known as the Blockbuster guy through high school. Went to college, came out of college and was still working at Blockbuster, except with just a lot more debt. But I could, you know, I could help people better with their movie choices. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's really what, what I was doing. Um, and then I um, decided to move out to Vancouver. Um, that for me at the time, that was a huge move because it was about, you know, 4,000 kilometers away. Um, and then, but 
it's just the same thing. I just got caught up in the day to day. It was just the same thing, a new place. And in fact, there's probably, I don't even want to say worse, but you know, Vancouver is a more expensive place. And so I was still just bopping around lots of just not great jobs. And yeah, I get it. It was just like Vancouver's extremely small city too. Um, when you live in the downtown core, like you can walk across it in about 30 minutes. So you end up living in this bubble and it was just like rinse and repeat every day. And it was, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hack it anymore. So that's what I would say. And that was up till about 36, almost 37 years old. So it sounds like you were kind of living, I, I would call, there's an old part of me that I call average Joe, average Joe American. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you were caught in the cycle of, Hey, let me do what everybody's supposed to do. I got a degree. I've got a job. I'm living in the city. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But you find yourself mm. kind of caught in like Groundhog Day. Like you said, every day it's the same thing over and over again, especially being where you were. I'm assuming feelings like being trapped, feelings like what am I actually doing with my life? Like what is the purpose? I'm sure questions like that came up in uh, into your head regularly. Oh, for sure. There's like things I knew I wanted to do. But again, I mean, at that point, like I remember my last year or so in Vancouver, it was like checking to see if I had enough money in my checking account to literally go grab lunch and sometimes even a coffee. Like it was that paycheck to paycheck sort of life. It's like, my friends, you want to go for coffee? I'm like, let me check. All right, I got seven bucks. (laughs) And, you know, at that time I was working a lot. You know, any time I was usually working two jobs. Um, but yeah, I was just bouncing around from gyms to gyms, just, just a lot of terrible jobs, to be honest with you. And I knew I wanted to do something. I was like, there's got to be more going on than just this. Like, this is just lame. Um, and then, yeah, so really, yeah, I, I knew I wanted more, but it was just, you didn't, I didn't really see a way to get it. It just, everything was expensive. And then, of course, you'd see other people doing it. And that would just annoy you a bit because, you know, and then it was always kind of like that working man philosophy. Like, yeah, you know, great. Yeah. Uh, and whatever, you're just kind of angry, kind of angry and jealous of people a little bit too, because they have the the cool stuff that you want to do and you can't do it. Like I had a friend, he'd always go down to Costa Rico for the Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica for the winters and live on the beaches and all that sort of stuff. And other friends who would take off to Hong Kong or whatever, or just California. And I was just like, yeah, okay. Just stuck here in Vancouver in the rain for eight months of the year. So so was it, (laughs) So obviously something clicked for you, something changed. Was it a gradual thing or is there a specific moment that you remember that kind of was like the catalyst or spark towards, okay, I need to change something. I need to do something. Might not know what it was, but something that, that kind of shifted your mindset. Well, it was a buildup of things, but there was one big conversation. So there was a buildup of just like, um, I put a lot of time and effort into building and kind of opening this one gym, but I wasn't the financial partner uh, and the financial partner um, turned out to be not somebody I really wanted to work with. So after putting in a couple of years of real hard effort on that, I mean, finding the building, getting the sledgehammer, I wasn't even there for a year. And then I, so I kind of had a breakdown at that point. I'm like, oh my God, like I've been working all these years towards what was supposed to be like my big thing. I wanted to have this big MMA gym and CrossFit gym in downtown Vancouver. And that all just fell apart really quickly. And then uh, I kind of gathered myself back up, but again, it was just back to odd and end jobs a lot. And then I was having a conversation with a friend one day and she was in the same boat. She was, you know, she was living in economy here, but again, paycheck to paycheck. Look, I don't loan her money for rent one month. And then a couple months later, she rent lend me. <laughs> it was like that back and forth. And we both just sat down one day and we said, 
like, this is ridiculous. Like this, we can't have this anymore. And she said, why don't you, I've got a new job offer to in Hong Kong. She's like, why don't you come with me? And um, I said, why not? I guess it makes sense. Why? I was like, you know, I've never been there. I don't know anything about it. I'm a six foot four white dude from a white town in Ontario. Um, but I was like, you know what? Can't get worse than here. Uh, I was in a relationship that was like going downhill really quickly, living in just like I said, crappy apartments, driving an old beat up car that was constantly getting repaired. And I was like, you know what? You know, just go, just give it a shot. So I saved up about a thousand bucks, maybe, maybe $1,100 Canadian in my pocket. And uh, I bought that ticket. And then, uh, long story short, she ended up not going to Hong Kong. So, about a couple of weeks before, um, you know, I don't know if you want to get ahead that quickly, but long story, a couple of weeks before, she's like, oh, I'm not going to Hong Kong anymore. I'm going to Taiwan. And I was like, oh, I've already bought my ticket to Hong <laughs> Kong. So then you have two choices go or do not go. And I'm assuming you made the choice, just go. I go. I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm like, I'll give it a shot. I'll go. And I jumped on that plane. And I, yeah, I mean, you talk about, it's funny because people have all these things that they think are such big decisions, you know, in life. Like, should I buy the, you know, should I buy this training package for three grand? I'm like, dude, that's not a big decision. And, you know, it's, just, it's crazy because I'm like, here I am. I got a thousand dollars in my pocket, no credit cards, giving up my apartment, giving up my car. And I have this choice. Do I go to a country, to a, the other side of the planet, I have known nothing about besides what I've seen in the odd movie, or do I just stay here and just keep repeating what's going on and on? And the, the choice was like, just give it a shot. I mean, you're not going to go over there and die. Worst case, you could always come back, I suppose, and sleep on mom's couch for a few months. <laughs> hey, that is always a good backup plan. That's for sure. So yeah. you, you preach a lot about experiences and just mm. living life and going on an adventure. And this sounds like the ultimate adventure. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know anybody. You don't know the language, nothing. You have enough money for a ticket. Was this always something that was a part of you, this adventure side that's just going for it? Or were you just so fed up at that point with the status quo that you were just like, I'm going to do this? Yeah, I definitely want to say it was overly adventurous. Of course, you know, when you're in your 20s and your teens, you would joke about going to, you know, teach English in Japan for all the Japanese girls, you know, you joke around about that. So there's always that in the back of the head, you know, it's always one of the, hey, let's go see Asia. But it was never something, like I said, I didn't even leave my hometown until I was 30. So there was never that thing of adventure. My dad wouldn't get on an airplane. So we never traveled anywhere when I was younger. Uh, but yeah, it was really just like going fed up, just going like, I've given it my best shot here. Um, at least what at the time was I thought was my best shot. Looking back now, I'm like, okay, there's definitely things that I could have done differently. But that's as you learn as you go. Um, but yeah, it was more just like going just fed up. And that's it. I just got to do something huge. It's got to be a dramatic change. That's right. Getting out of your comfort zone is where you're going to grow the fastest and, and mm -hmm. the most. And my assumption is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but once you got there, obviously there was a lot of challenges, obstacles, things you had to do, but was it as scary or as crazy as what was in your head as you were getting on that plane or the weeks leading up to it, especially since someone had bailed on you last minute that you were banking on going with you. So uh, did reality, was it as crazy as you thought it would be? Or was it like, okay, I can, I can handle this. Like, yeah, there's things that I need to do, but it's not as built up as it was inside my head. 
No, I'd say it was definitely like, uh, right up to getting on the plane. I'm like, this is a mistake. I should not be doing this. This is not a good idea. Um, it comes and comes in waves. And I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Whatever. I'm very much like it because my ADHD, I can switch back and forth a lot. So I'd be like, yeah, I'm really, you know, I'm really nervous. This is not, this is so stupid. And then, okay, I'll just go with it, see what happens back and forth. There were times, like, I remember when I first was started the first day I looked for apartments in Hong Kong. I just remember stepping out of the train station, looking around and going, oh my God, this is the worst decision I've ever made in my life. I'm standing there in TST, uh, was a Chim Chim Chewy or whatever, and looking out at just like what you see in the movies, just the signs and the the havoc and the, the chaos. And I was just like, not a good decision. And then when I was shown apartments for what you get in you know, Hong Kong for about a thousand dollars a month, uh, made Vancouver look amazing. <laughs> so, but yeah, there was definitely, it was definitely a back and forth a lot. Um, good days, bad days, particularly the first few weeks there, everything, luckily everything came together kind of quickly. Um, just by pure, no, I want to say luck because it wasn't luck. There was a tad bit of a guy gave me three names and said, check out these three people. And two of them were bust, and the third one turned out not to be, which we could talk about that because that kind of led me down my next path of who I trained and kind of what I got into. Yeah, let's jump right into it because you go on your website, and I had mentioned in the intro, you literally have trained Superman. And when I when I say that, I grew up being a big comic guy. Superman was one of my favorites. And when I was a teenager, there was a, a little show called Smallville which I absolutely loved being a teenager and you had trained the Superman. I, uh, Tom, Tom Wellings or, uh, yeah, you trained this guy. And I remember on the show looking at him shirtless. I'm like, I'm not attracted to this guy, but man, he is <laughs> jacked. Like, you know, just yeah. small, I think Indiana farm boy and he's ripped and you mm. were his trainer. That's, that's absolutely insane. I will say this. I was his trainer. We trained him near the end yeah. of small. Hey, that, that's um, the most was, important part. He's already seen yeah. the fame and fortune and then reaping yeah. all the benefits. That's when it's most important, not when he's needing yeah. to become Superman. Yeah, no, I definitely trained him at the end there. It was the, la the very last season ish into Smallville, I believe. Somewhere around there. It was so long ago, it's actually hard to remember. Um, but yeah, no, he was cool. So I always tell people, I go, I can definitely train you to look like at least a Superman, a TV Superman, maybe not Henry Cavill, but a TV Superman, that's no problem. That's incredible. So yeah, so you said one of these guys wasn't a bust and that I'm assuming led you down this path of training because you've not only trained celebrities, but you've trained fighters. Um, today, you're training everyday average Joes as well. I know you push hard on, on training men over 35 to get rid of their dad bods and things like that. So yeah, just, just take me through, um, I guess a little bit of the, the beginnings of your mission and what you're doing these days. Yeah. So I was always, I was always a trainer for the longest time. Tom Welling was actually before I went to Asia because we're talking quite a while ago, right? Because I went to Asia at 37. So Tom Welling was a little bit before that. Um, I don't think any of my other celebrities were. Oh, we had a couple from a TV show that was in Vancouver, but nobody would know who they are, I don't think. And then I ended up in Hong Kong, like I said, and I was given three names. And one was a guy named Alain Galani, um, also known as the Panther One Championship. Very popular dude, huge black guy from Africa, very scary looking, amazing flexibility. I don't know if you have know him at all. Um, he's been like, he was on Mark Bella's podcast a couple months ago. He's been making the rounds quite good. He's very famous, particularly for his amazing flexibility at his size. So 
I was going around. I had about 10 days. There was somebody that was an acquaintance in Hong Kong and they said, okay, you can stay here for 10 days. So I was on a 10 day countdown Oh wow! Um, between no money. And so I was out looking for apartments, looking for jobs at the same time. And then I went to this one gym called Impact MMA. And I went up and I said, is, you know, a lawn here. And, and he turned, he came up from the office and I introduced myself and I said, um, you know, Marcus, a friend of ours, mutual relation, told me to come and check you out. And then he pretty much very, this is probably maybe my fifth or sixth day into Vancouver. I'm uh, sorry, into Hong Kong. And yeah, he just said, yeah, he said, he sounds great. He, we had a lunch. He took me out for lunch. We had lunch. We just chatted about what I wanted to do. I said, I'm really into uh, mixed martial arts. I said, one of the things I'd like to do here in Asia, because one of my plans was I didn't just go to Asia, just going no plan. I was kind of like, well, I like MMA and I know MMA is an up and coming sport in, in Asia. Maybe I could become an MMA strength and conditioning coach and kind of continue what I had started at my gym there in Vancouver. And yeah, long story short, he said, well, he goes, I'm happy to give you a job. He goes, and we have a coach's apartment right across the street. And oh, nice. he had a, yeah, he had a two bedroom, uh, little apartment there where his brother stayed at. And he said, yeah, there's a room empty. And he hooked me up. And that was kind of the beginning of my Asia journey. So it was just, just super luck. And just, it was just super awesome how that worked out. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so interesting how you put yourself in certain positions, but like you said before, you were already a trainer. You have put the time in, you had mentioned the word luck, but a lot of people say luck is just when opportunity meets preparation. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like obviously you were doing what you needed to do, but you also took a leap of faith and put yourself in a position to make mm -hmm. these things happen. Um, you had mentioned that you've been throughout all parts of Asia specifically Southeast Asia for a while and Thailand. So did you bounce around a bunch or can kind of just followed your journey as it was set forth in front of you? Yeah, well, it was just, everything was just kind of, so what happened was, so I was in Hong Kong and I was there for about maybe nine months and Hong Kong really wasn't my style at all. Um, just looking around, I'm like, wow, the amount of money I'd have to make here to actually get a, a nice place on my own was ridiculous. Um, also, it was the lifestyle I didn't like. It was like pretty much come in, you know, come in at one or two in the morning. It's basically you work hard, you party hard, and then you get up really early. So like the roommate there, he'd be coming in at two or three in the morning every night, getting three hours of sleep, getting up to train his clients at six, coming back and sleeping. And I was much more of a, I'm much more of a holistic health guy. I'm like, no, I'm in bed by 9.30, 10 p.m. So it really wasn't working out. So from there... I actually did come back to Vancouver for a small period, um, about three months, maybe not even that, I think about one month. And then my friend, the original one who told me to come out and then kind of ditch me, said, hey, I'm working at this big office in Taiwan. You really should give Asia a second shot. And she said, what I'll do is I'm going to bring you out here as our corporate wellness person in Taiwan. And you're going to come out here and you're going to train the staff. And then that's what I did. So I went out there, jumped on another plane. I told everybody, well, I'm giving Asia another shot. And everybody's like, oh my God, here he goes again. <laughs> it didn't work out for you the first time. So what makes you think this time is going to work? I was like, well, it's just kind of a salary position for 90 days. I'm like, let's give it a shot. So I did that, went out to Taipei. And then after that, it was really just, um, just following experiences. Alen uh, called me and he said, hey, would you come and corner me in Jakarta, Indonesia? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you don't get to corner a guy very often. I was like, that's cool. So it was for one championship. So I went and cornered him. And at the time, I was really into CrossFit. I had a CrossFit 
background. Never in the, the, the actual working out part. I'm, I don't like working out in groups, but I liked coaching it. So I, one of my little hobbies was to just swing by CrossFit whenever I was in another country and introduce myself. And CrossFit's kind of like yoga. It can be a bit of a, a nice community in a way. So went to, I uh, took a lens brother with me. He has four brothers, I think. I took the one with me and we went to CrossFit. And they said, well, what are you doing after Taiwan? And I said, I don't know. I said, maybe going back to Vancouver. I said, possibly maybe just renewing my contract. I said, because I wasn't thinking past next week at the time. I said, I have no idea. And they said, well, why don't you come here and coach CrossFit? And I was like, all right. So I went back to Taiwan, said, hey, I will not be renewing my contract. And then just jumped on a plane um, and ended up in Jakarta working for working for cash. <laughs> then that led to same thing. I grabbed the girl from Indonesia. We shot over to Thai, Thailand for a trip, stopped by CrossFit in Thailand. They said, what are you doing after? They said, do you like Jakarta? I said, not really. I said, it's very congested. Um, I love the job. I love the people. But Jakarta is not a place I can see myself being for very long. Uh, just terrible infrastructure too, compared to even Bangkok. And so I'm like, if you ever been to Bangkok and you're like, you think that's chaos. <laughs> Jakarta is like that on a new level. So same thing, went, got a job teaching CrossFit in Bangkok at the same time was offered the position of opening, um, fitness education, um, for that. They wanted this, this gym wanted to start a school for fitness. And then that's how that happened. And then everything started snowballing. I got involved with Fairtex Strength and Conditioning, which is the world's biggest Muay Thai fight team, right? Like Fairtex is the name. They're like, you got if you got Nike who's running shoes, Fairtex is Muay Thai. Okay. Fairtex put up an ad once that just said, hey, we're looking for somebody to work on a CrossFit program. I went and met with them. I said, no, you don't want a CrossFit program. I said, you want something that's like CrossFit, but not CrossFit for your fighters. And then that's how that happened. So I just started snowballing. I got into Muay Thai and training all their fighters. I ended up working with two of the three of the world's top Thai Muay Thai fighters, which is really cool. Two different organizations, but still, I was like, trained two of the three top guys in the world. It's pretty awesome. That's incredible. I spent a little bit of time traveling through Southeast Asia myself. And I specifically remember when I was in Thailand, well, first I landed in Bangkok and I was just like, this city is absolutely insane. Uh, lots of big buildings, just very metropolitan and poor at the same time, very first and third world mixture. It's really weird. Um, a lot of rich or little rich, a lot of poor. Uh, but at the same time, I noticed too, as I was traveling throughout Thailand, that they are very big on their fighting. Um, it's, it's like, you know, local communities would come together every week and go to the local, uh, fighting. I don't know if you call it gym or what have you, but uh, when you talk about training some of the biggest fighters in Thailand, that is like their NFL football. That is their NBA basketball. Like this is the like top the of school. exactly. Yeah, this is the top of the top of the top of this country. So it's 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 um, absolutely uh, amazing the level of fighters that you were working with at that time. Yep. No, for sure. It was awesome. Yeah. Like it's their national sport. Like it's crazy. Like, like you said, uh, we go up to Isan where my wife is from, like way up in the North and the community would gather there for fights. I mean, you got kids as young as what, seven years old. Like it, it's weird at the same time. It's, it's very weird. Cause you know, coming from where we are to see seven year olds in a ring, kicking each other in the head. Like when you see a seven year old get knocked out, you're like, this doesn't feel right. 
<laughs> but at the same time, you know, judgy because it's a national sport because you got to look and go, okay, well, there's kids playing football and kids playing hockey that are getting checked and hit and knocked out. So I'm like, it's just, we got to put our, it's fighting. Yes. But we have to put our thing aside. Yeah. Well, you I, know? I believe there's, there's also a big thing on, on respect of the family and honor for the family out there as well. If your child is doing that, that's a really big thing for their family name, their family history. Um, and it's a way also to, to make money. Cause like, like I had mentioned before, there's a lot of poor families out there and fighting is one of those ways of getting, um, getting ahead in that social structure they have out there. Oh, huge. You should have seen because, um, every village pretty much that I've seen anyway, I mean, I could be wrong, but every village I've seen always has the local Muay Thai house. Um, and the one that I, I'd love to, I'll send you a photo later, but the one we went to their bag. So they, the fighters in this little village, the little kids train in there, but their bag was just a bulb on the top, a string and a bulb on the bottom. Like it was just such a beat up bag. And yet, you know, so you hear people here complain about the equipment that they don't have access to. Right. And then I'm like, this kid is fighting on like just a string of a bag. It was so bad that one of the first things I did is when I went back down to Fairtex, I brought them up a new bag and I'm like, you guys need a new heavy bag here for sure. And that sort of started what I'd like to really get into is a bit of a charity word actually is, um, starting to build and help more like local Muay Thai gyms and stuff, get bags and proper equipment, something that I've always wanted to do. But because it's just such a great feeling seeing them hang up the bag in there. Everybody was just so amazed at this bag. And that bag's still hanging up to this day. Like they'll probably need a new bag soon. <laughs> that bag is there for 20 years. That's awesome. Well, let's definitely get into it here in a quick second. Uh, for those mm-hmm. listening, Roar is a trainer, coach, and fellow podcaster who helps and empowers people to transform their bodies and minds into real life superheroes. You can find more information on Roar and his coaching services on his website at www.roaralexander.com. Also check out his podcast, Barbells to Buddhas, and follow him on Instagram at over40fitguy. So being a superhero, you train, literally you've trained superheroes. Mm -hmm. If people go on your website, they can see that you dress in spandex like a superhero. And as any good superhero does, you have a mission, a purpose outside of yourself. So please jump right into your mission to help other people and empower them. I guess it comes down, I guess my main mission is really just helping guys to build the body that they want to achieve the things in life that they want to do. Because it's a very interesting thing. It's when you start to really fix your body, you'll just find or start to improve your body. I guess I should say more than fix. But when you start to improve your body, it's just crazy how other things change. So everybody's always talking about how to change your mindset, how to change this, how to change that. I'm like, don't need to worry about all that because when you change your body, it just comes with it. And so that's really what I do now. So my level one coaching program is really, I just call it leaner. So my program is divided up into four phases. But for first phase is just weight loss. And that's usually the one that I talk about a lot. Because if I give them the big picture, people just go, wow, that, that's too much. You know, because like level four is like legacy where you go out on like Asian retreats. So <laughs> like people just aren't ready for that. But it's great. Like I've had a, a, a Alan, for instance, he's a client that came to me just last October. Now he was a live client because I do do live in Vancouver as well. I do a mix of live and I call it hybrid. 
And he was just a you know, typical, he's working on the Witcher game right now. He's one of the designers on the Witcher game, the new one. And so he came just to lose some weight. And that's all he wanted to do was lose like about 25 or 30 pounds, something like that. And then on January the 28th, he competed in his first ever barbell back squat event. Like this guy had never even been inside of a gym or held a barbell for two months almost. Like I had him only pushing a sled back and forth because he was so uncoordinated. Yet by January the 28th, there he is, you know, competing, not competing against other people, but competing against himself with a room full of like 15 other people, everybody trying to hit their heaviest squat. And that is not something he wanted, wasn't even on his radar just 90 days before. And if he had come in 90 days before and said, hey, man, I can help you lose the weight. And then on the last day, we're going to have you back squatting in front of a whole bunch of people cheering you on. He'd be like, no, no way. That's not what I want. But over the training, he just the confidence just started building up so quickly. You know, and there's so many stories I got about that. Carlos is another one. He people always say, how come Carlos doesn't even have a before picture? I'm like, because he was so unconfident. He doesn't even have pictures of him when he was at his heaviest weight. Like they just don't exist. So got him down 65 some odd pounds. His goal was to hit a, uh, when I first met him, his goal was just one day hit a 200 pound back squat. Uh, and then he hit a 300 pound back squat with me, right? After he had lost all that weight. And now you got pictures of him. He's got, you got pictures of him up there and he's going like doing ice immersions with me. We're walking like through the snow or pictures of him shirtless in a sauna. That is not something that was on that guy's radar (laughs) when I first met him. So, and all that's just from body transformation. So that's really what I help guys with now is that. And then slowly I start to trickle in additional challenges. I've learned my lesson. Um, my, one of my things I did at the beginning was go too much. Because, uh, you know, I'm a, belie- I'm a believer. I think, you know, I think there's meditation. I like biohacking. Um, I think travel is probably one of the best things you can do. But if I hit everybody with it at one time, it's overwhelming and, and the message kind of gets diluted. So for me, it's just, hey, I help you get that body you want. So then you will start to go after the life you want. And if you want some help there, I can guide you through that as well. That's incredible. I'm a huge fan. And I mention him all the time on this show, David Goggins. And he's mm. big on pushing yourself physically. But I love how you break it down into different steps. And the first step, not to overwhelm anybody is like, let's just slim you down. Let's just mm-hmm. start there. Start one step at a time. Cause as we know, every race, every marathon starts with that first step. And once you start taking that first, second, third step, you start building up momentum. And then every other asset or aspect of your life starts to improve, but it's something exercise, getting your body moving, getting all the, the neurochemicals working in your system like you start compounding all these things, stacking one thing upon another, all these positive things. And so I love your approach. So you said step one is slimming down. What are, uh, and then you, or sorry, level one, what are levels two, three, and four consist of? Uh, I don't want to overwhelm the audience, but at the same time, I, I would love just to give them an overview of your overall process. Yeah, they feed into each other. So level one is just weight loss. So level one is just guys coming in, I want to lose 20, 30, 40 pounds. It's never as much as, it's always more than they think. Um, so, but level one is just weight loss. We come in, we drop you down the weight you want to get, you get big wins. You're like, that's amazing. Level two then is body recomp. So that's where I start. Hey, let's start building some muscle. Let's start building some strength. Let's start getting into more advanced exercises. I'm going to actually start teaching you about exercise programming. Until the, that point, I'm kind of telling you what to do at the gym. 
Um, because a lot of my guys, the gym's new to them. And so for them, it's just not overwhelming them again with having to learn a bunch of stuff. But level two is more learning about the gym and how to transform your body. How does muscle gain work? How do I strengthen my tendons, my ligaments? You know, more advanced techniques. Level three is men's health optimization. That is where I really dive into things like we'll get into circadian rhythm, um, hormone optimization, testosterone optimization. Maybe we jump in a little bit of biohacking at that point. That's when the environment stuff really starts to take over. And I really dive deep into that. At the same time within there, there's also life optimization. How can we become a little more efficient with our time, a little more effective, maybe more time blocking and start to see a bigger picture of health than just you know the muscle and the fat loss. And then from there, there's little challenges I do there. That's where I really get into, hey, why don't we try some cold dips? Why don't we try some hot stuff? Why don't we take some mini vacations? What's on, something on your bucket list that's kind of, we can reach out for that's not too crazy. Um, and then level four as an extreme level, but that is really going what I call those are my legacy clients. That's where I go out on like, say, retreats to Thailand. So that's why, like I said, I'm looking at buying a property out there. I haven't even got anybody to level four yet. I got people lining up to get the level four, but level four really is breaking into retreats and starting to come out to a camp with me. What I would do is maybe like five or six days and we do a whole tour of Thailand. Um, that's where we're going to be based out of. So it just makes sense to go there. And then, cause that's the call Thailand, the gateway drug to Asia. Yep. And it, it really is. So that's kind of level four. I don't talk about that a lot though, because again, it's just way up here. And right now, if a guy's 50 pounds overweight, he's not thinking, you know, two years down the road about what he wants to do for his bucket list in Thailand. So, but that is it. So that's, here you go. So it's basic fat loss, muscle gain, body transformation, health optimization, and then level four for a select few people is joining me at a retreat. That's amazing. Now you developed something that you coined functional mm. feng sh and I'm going to brutally pronounce this feng shui. Sh feng shui. F sorry. Functional. Fun functional. Feng shui. Yep. Feng shui. And functional with a K. Functional. Functional. And, and, <laughs> and feng shui, it, right? It's, a, it's like an ancient Chinese art of like arranging buildings, objects, things in your environment to achieve like harmony and balance. Um, if I'm getting that correct. How do you incorporate that? And what is your version of feng shui? Yeah, so I guess, long story short, there's lots of different cultures. India has Vastu, which is really where feng shui is theorized to come from. Everything kind of started in India, really. Um, but they have it. It's called Vastu, much more complex. And then there's the Chinese feng shui. Then they break that down into classical, which uses the traditional. It's got a lot of formulas. I don't even know where to start with that. So we won't even get into that. Then there's what they call Western, uh, Westernized feng shui, which is more just like they have this Bagua map. But really all it is, it's, and this is why I break it down to people, I go, it's not even feng shui, really, it's not, um, but it's the best term I can use to describe it. It's real bubblegum feng shui. But what I said is really what feng shui is, it's just the manipulating the environment to optimize areas of your life or to improve areas of your life. So. For me, then again, there's different levels of it too, right? And this, I don't get into this a lot with people in level one or even level two. By level three, we start getting into it. But it's just how can I tweak different rooms and different rooms maybe in my house or just different areas of my life to start supporting me? Uh, a simplest one would be your lighting, 
right? So what I'll do is I talk about the use of circadian lighting because really in Chinese medicine and all that, the whole point of it was maximizing your environments to maximize your life. And so for me, it's like the simplest one we can start off is lighting. So by the time we get to level three, when I break into circadian rhythm, I start teaching clients about you know blue spectrums and green spectrums and how can we manipulate that so we get better sleeps. Um, you've heard about all this through sleep architecture, sleep hygiene, you know, the temperature of the room. That's all kinds of feng shui. Clutter is a big one for me, especially with my ADHD. Um, I've really learned to declutter my life because um, it's a real mess. So clutter is a big one. So first step is just decluttering and organizing. Then... You can break into chemicals in your environment. I'm a bit of a holistic guy myself. I'm, I'm, I'm a strange one. Um, so really, I break down into getting rid of the chemicals and all the stuff that could be possible endocrine disruptors, things that could be interfering with your testosterone. So that's a big one for me. So I have a very natural house. But yeah, it's just about understanding really what each room in your home does and how to maximize the best out of it. If you're trying to lose weight, first thing we do is a kitchen cleanup, right? Where I have you get rid of all the junk food and we start saying, okay, do you have tools here that will help you to eat healthier, easier? Because a lot of times they don't. People say, oh, eating healthy takes so long. Well, it does if you don't have the right tools. So we do, can we get a steamer? Can we get an air fryer? Just little things like that that really just maximize it and it all just piles on. So you can go deep down the rabbit hole you know, or you could just keep it level. But the, for me, the environment is something when it comes to losing weight and just building the body and life you want, it really comes down. There's the physiology, the psychology and the environment or what I call PEP, which would be physiology, environment and psychology. And they all feed into each other because your environment can feed into you. Depressed people, right? Uh, they tend to sit in the dark a lot, right? And they just got the lights off a lot. So I, I'm flipping on all the lights. It's crazy what having like, first thing I do in the morning, second I wake up is I open the blinds. I turn on my sad lamp. I flip on every light in the house. I triple the lighting in my house. I love how it's called. Right. Sorry to interrupt. I love how you call it a sad lamp, but it's supposed to elevate your vitamin D to make you happier. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Little... yeah. So, but that's a seasonal affective disorder lamp, right? Yep. Um, yeah. This little bad boy right here, right? Um, so I got that, um, uh, right up to, I have a wake up lamp, that sunrise lamp, that sunrise wakes you up in the morning. So you wake up just a little more natural. So for me, lighting's a huge one. Then at the reverse is at seven o'clock at night, every blind in my house and every light in the house comes down except for the bedtime bulbs. And I have a bedtime bulb throughout my entire house, which is a bulb with no blue and no green light spectrum. Um, but it still looks like a normal bulb in Bangkok. I used to have to use a red incandescent bulb. So it looked like a red light district house yep. But here, North America, we can get a little more cooler stuff. Right. For, but so at nighttime for me, the lighting switches into a circadian lighting and like by nine 30, I can't even keep my eyes awake. I keep my eyes open. No, that's so important. Cause chemically what's going on is your adenosine has been building up throughout the day. So your adenosine is high, which essentially is just a chemical that makes you feel sleepy. But then, yeah, when the, when the natural light goes down or the natural or the artificial light in your house goes down, then your melatonin starts to build up. And that combination of the adenosine buildup and then the melatonin buildup once lights go down is so important to your sleep. I know a lot of people uh, tend to go to prescription medicines using melatonin and things like that, which isn't so many studies have shown how that is not good for you. Like doing it naturally is the best way to go about it. So I love what you're talking about as far as setting up your environment. When I first moved into my current apartment by myself, one thing I wanted to stop doing was watching 
so much television, especially at night, because you get the blue light, you get the intense light. And so I, I just didn't put up a TV. I still have my laptop. I can go on Netflix or Hulu or what, what have you and stream anything I want. But just naturally, by not putting up a TV, my television watching has plummeted. And the best part of it is, I don't mind at all. Yeah. I love that I have more time to read or spend time with my dog or just do something that's other than just passively absorbing television and getting a bad night's sleep because of all the blue light and the intense light that comes through a television screen, especially mm-hmm. close to uh, bedtime. But I, I think that is something that's overlooked because it seems so simple and easy. And there's like you were talking about, just simple things you can do to set up your environment to work for you rather than against you. Yeah, there's so many stuff. Like people think, oh, walking, you know, it just seems like too easy. Walking is probably one of the best things you can do, especially in the morning to get that bright light in your eyes to kind of reset that whole circadian rhythm. So yeah, there's just so many tiny things you can do in your environment. Uh, for me, uh, for, you know, for me, example, I'm a six foot four, very stiff white guy, like ridiculous. Um, got like, I've been laughed at in yoga class. So I pretty much now have set up my home. So it's very much a, at one point it was a no furniture home, but now it's a low furniture home. So my bed right down on the floor is a Japanese style bed. So six foot four, I got to get on my hands and knees every day to get out of bed. We have Turkish, uh, we have Turkish, what they call, um, can't remember the name right now. I always forget when I go to tell people, but they're Turkish floor rugs. Like you see in the movie, the Turkish floor couches, like you see in the movies. So they're only like four inches high. Uh, We got a bunch of different floor cushions right now. I'm at my standing desk. I'm not standing right now, but I do have a standing desk that I use almost all the time. Got a Swiss ball. So we don't really have a lot of seating. And when my bed, and when I even bought my kitchen table, I made sure it was cupboard height. So it's taller. So our whole, the whole house is based on movement. So again, it's just, I manipulated the environment to force me to get into more movement. So I get up and down from the floor and the ground a lot more. I stand a lot more. I don't remember the last time I really sat in a normal seat at my desk. It's either on the Swiss ball. I do have a stool that I use. Sometimes a really taller one, but even then it still swivels. And it's probably in standing probably 70% of the time. So again, I've just manipulated the environment to increase my, like, what they call non-exercise activity thermogenesis which is a fancy term for just getting in more movement throughout the day. I mean, something as simple as using a rocking chair, for instance, can help you burn up to 350 more calories a day, right? So go to Ikea, grab yourself a chair that rocks. You know, I think even Dr. Huberman, he even did one on just doing uh, fat fat loss and just bouncing your calves up and down, right? There was a whole study on that with glucose regulation. So there again, I've just manipulated my entire house. So you're either standing or pretty much on the floor. We did get a couch uh, this year. My wife and I, she, she was like, I want a couch. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'll do the couch. And I even do catch myself using it way too often, to be honest with you. Um, but again, it's just like going back, going, just manipulating the environment as much as I can. Uh, I, I think the bigger thing too, is just being purposeful about everything in your life, whether it's your bed or your couch, like obviously couch isn't possibly the highest optimization for, for someone like yourself, but it's being purposeful because your wife wanted it and you guys are a partnership. So just being purposeful about everything that, you know, that that's why clutter and things like that can be so harmful is a lot of people just accumulate because they don't want to let go or just they have attachment to it. But if you start putting things in your life 
that are purpose driven. That's the secret to living a purposeful life is doing mm-hmm. purposeful things. Even if it's just how you set up or arrange your kitchen, uh, the tools that you have like a steamer instead of a fryer and things like that. Um, just phenomenal, phenomenal way of viewing life and setting up your life for yourself. Mm-hmm. All right. I know you're a big superhero guy, so I'm going to start just lightning round. doesn't have to be that okay. fast, <laughs> no, but I will, I will, uh, start, uh, asking you a few superhero questions. Okay. Um, do you have a superhero name? And if you don't, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Do I have a superhero name? No, I do not have a superhero. Oh, name. that's perfect. Cause if we get to come up with one on the show, I've always used to joke. I go if, uh, and, 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 and by far I do not look like him at all, but I was always like, if, if, uh, if, uh, Schwarzenegger could be the Austrian Oak, I wanted to be the great Canadian maple, the Canadian <laughs> maple. That is so, I love it. I love it. You know, I used to be obsessed with maple leaves and I'm not proud to admit this, but I had my mother buy me a necklace. I never have worn necklaces before, but when I was a kid, I had her buy me a gold necklace that had a Mm -hmm. giant gold covered maple leaf on it. Wow. And it was not fashion forward or anything, but I love it. So you are Roar the Canadian Maple Alexander. There we go. I love it. No, that is an amazing superhero name. All right. What are your superpowers? Oh, I guess one would just be really helping people to see a bigger picture um, and understand that just more is possible than what they think. And that it's not, things are not as scary as we often make them. Like you even asked me earlier. It's like, for me, it's going, you know what? A lot of the stuff that's standing in your way is not stuff. That's a big deal. If you really break it down, uh, so I just really help people understand that and just helping them see more in themselves by giving them sort of those first few steps. So really helping guide people very slowly to what they want to become for themselves. I love that. And as any great superpower, you use it. You are an example of that. You just don't coach or preach it. You live it every single day. And that's a huge part of of my mission is I'm not going to tell anybody to do something I haven't done myself. If I tell someone to jump into a frozen lake, well, that's because I've already done it. And Mm -hmm. so I love how your superpower of having people see the bigger picture, seeing more within themselves, you have honed and worked on that craft, that superpower for your, it sounds like your entire life. And I love that you have that ability for, to see in other people what they don't see in themselves, but able to guide them towards being able to see it in themselves. And with your training, it all starts with the body and it's so simple, but it's so powerful. I know it does. We do just, I just did a, did a course on the weekend and I had a girl, one of the, a girl in my course and um, I set up a deadlift of the heaviest she's ever done. I do this all the time. And she's like, I can't do that. I'm like, you can do it. You can do it. So she tried the first time she didn't do it. And I said, you didn't even try. I said, because you'd already told yourself you can't do it. I said, I want you, now that you're prepared, you've tried picking it up. I go, I want you to do it again. I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to ignore all of us. And I do not want you to let go of that bar till you get it up. She got it up. And then not only that, she then said, can we add more weight to the other side? And I was like, see, there you go. I'm like, it's that simple. That's incredible. Just gave her 
a breakthrough that she is going to carry with her because she will remember that she is as you i'm a big huberman fan she's rewiring the neuro circuits in her brain so the next time she comes up against that voice that tells her she can't do it she'll be like oh wait i did it and not only did i do it i upped the weight and did even more Exactly. And that's the great thing about the lessons at the gym, right? Like, like Carlos, his goal was one day to hit a 200. And then when he hit a 300, then we went up to a 305 because we said, yeah, 300 is not even good enough. Let's get it to 305, you know? Wasn't on the plan, but we just, I was just like, I can tell you can do it. You just need to you focus, take that big breath, zone in and just hit it. That's incredible. That's how simple it is, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Who are some of your superheroes? They could be Marvel, DC, or they could be living real life superheroes. Uh, well, I guess at the end of the day, I've always really been a, I love, I've always liked Spider-Man sort of thing. I was a huge Spider-Man, especially, I always like, I'm a big guy in costumes. I like kind of the black costume. So during the simian years of Spider-Man, I love that. I think I collected every issue of that. So Spider-Man's a big one. Obviously, as you can see behind me, I'm a big He-Man and the Masters of the Universe fan by far. You got like that one over there. I can't even throw away the boxes. I have to turn them into <laughs> artwork. Um, so Mass of the Universe is a huge one. I've always liked Batman too, just because again, he's a normal guy. Uh, no, very rich, normal guy, but still just a normal guy who's hanging out with superheroes and kind of always gets the upper hand on them too. Punisher's always been one of my favorites. I think he's just cool. Just a cool costume, but I really like him too. So those would be my three tops. I think Spider-Man, Punisher, a master of the universe. Uh, if you want to consider that heat of more comics or whatever you want to call it, cartoon, but same idea. And then of course, uh, Batman. Incredible. Incredible. Have there been any uh, real life superheroes that you have come across that have inspired you over the years? Um, well, I mean like Alain, you know, Alain in Hong Kong. I mean, you know, that guy's, he's so humble. He's so nice. The nicest, hugest dude that just looks so scary you know but uh just the nicest guy ever um you know he's really uh, i can thank him for you know all my most of my asia experiences from the beginning from the first round to the second round um he's a big one i think that's all i can think of off the top of my head i mean you know when i went to school originally i really enjoyed books by john douglas because originally when i wanted to go to school i went to school for psychology because i actually wanted to be a behavioral uh profiler um, for that. So I thought he was great because he really did. If you ever watched a show, is it Mindhunter or Manhunter or something like that? But the early days, the behavioral profiling unit, that was all based off actually Robert Kessler and John Douglas's there. It's based on them. And I just loved him because they just, you know, they use psychology to start tracking down and catching all these crazy people. I'm like, that's just so amazing. And they, the, the tape, the red tape they had to fight through because everybody thought it was a pseudoscience and all that. And now it's just so accepted so those guys are great too and really fascinating books if you get a chance to read especially john douglas's book they're so good. john douglas okay i'll have to check it out yeah I, I love pioneers that just go up against all odds people telling them it can't be done or it's phony or or you know it's just not worth it. they're changing mindsets of 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 the world and that by itself is is what superheroes do as well it's crazy. They'd say, go to one of the, you know, the agents looking at them and say, okay, this guy's going to have a limp. They're like, how can you tell that? And it's just like crazy, but they could, they just through the, just what they learned through psychology. They could even just say, this guy's got a limp. This guy's this, this guy's that. This is the kind of job he work at. This is the kind of car he drive. And people are like, what are you guys like trying to be psychics? But it, there's all science behind it. It's just, it's fascinating stuff. 
Again, if you like that show, because it's a big hit show. I mean, the books, the books are a hundred percent even better, and the show's good. So, oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So we had mentioned your website a few times, roaralexander.com. Is that the best place for people to get a hold of you and your services, or what? What is the best way for people to to reach out to you? Two ways. There's rawalexander.com. There's also barbellstobuddhas.com. They both go to the same spot. Um, probably, honestly, it would probably be through Instagram. I'm thinking Instagram is probably... I also have a Facebook group, by the way. Uh, there is a free Facebook group that I host. Um, it's, I believe it's just called... I changed the name of it just the other day. Just let me take a really quick look here. And I will tell you the name of that if I can get my computer up and running. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, Facebook groups these days are so powerful because it's just a great community of people that you can reach out to. Oh, and that's why it's a community put together for, and then you're guaranteed if I post something, I host challenges in it. Uh, I got guys right now that, um, like, I got one guy working on losing 100 pounds. So every Sunday, he posts his steps and all that sort of stuff he gets. Um, so it's just a great place to do that. Some accountability. And if I don't hear from them, I'll say, Hey, like, where's your, where's your steps? And he's like, Oh crap, I forgot. So I'll throw them in there. So it's a great way to keep yourself accountable. I do. Um, I am trying to do more work on it, but it's just probably, it's called ditch your dad bod and live awesome by barbells to Buddhas. And it's free for anybody to join. There's a couple little questions you got to answer at the beginning. Um, you know, just keep the, and you know, we'd like to keep it all positive and fun i don't allow in any idiots and if you're there to troll it's like no you're not allowed in so i have a bit of a gate to get into it so i do i want to keep it a fun positive group yeah exactly but that's probably the best way because i can kind of put everybody the problem with instagram and you know a lot of these other ones is they don't have a spot to place people at, you know herd them into so where we can all stick together as a community right because that's not what the point of instagram and tiktok and stuff is exactly no, I, I i love facebook groups and that is such a powerful tool now, from all the things we covered today, and we did cover quite a bit, what is one thing, if if you had to just throw one thing out there for the audience to remember today from our conversation, what, what would that be? I think the biggest thing is stop and the, stop overthinking all the you know, the pros and the cons, the pros and the cons and the what, especially the negative stuff. A lot of people think, well, what if this, what if this, what if this weapons, what, and that drives me nuts. Cause everybody can think of a hundred reasons why something won't work. Um, and one of my rules, even at my gym is you can't come to me with a problem. If you don't have at least the idea of a solution, because people pointed out when I started my school in uh, Thailand, people were always like, Oh, well, there's already the big school and they're well-known. There's already this, and there's already, that's a problem. And I'm like, you know what? Now I have an international school. I run courses in the Philippines and all over the world. I'm like, a lot of people came to me with all the problems, but no, never solutions. So for me, the biggest thing is stop overthinking and just go for it. Unless it's going to kill you or like bankrupt you, then just give it a shot. I mean, when I signed up for a business coaching course, I mean, even me, it was like $20,000 or whatever. It was like, oh my God. But I just went for it because I was like, you know what? It's just money. And at the end of the day, getting on that plane was still the biggest decision I ever made. And I just went for it and it worked out. You never know. Like all the odds were against you. You're going to a country, one of the most expensive countries on the planet where you don't know anybody with no money. Like logically, if I wrote that on paper, pros and cons, there's not too many pros on that side of the paper. A lot of cons, right? But as I just went for it and it worked out. I love that. So that's the big I love that. Yeah. Out. Stop the overthinking. Stop overcomplicating things. Because if we overcomplicate mm -hmm. it, it ain't going to happen. You got to just simplify it. And just go for it and let the chips fall as they may, because the worst thing that's going to happen 
is you're going to learn something. You're going to get better. And what is worse than getting better at something? Because that's the step to real progress, to real life, to real living. And you don't not like you, people you train, you don't even can't even comprehend what you can accomplish until you take that first step forward. And I just love that. I really appreciate it. So awesome. Yeah, like, like sitting there, you know, like if you had said to me back when I was right before I ready to go, like in a year, year and a half, you'll be sitting with Rich Franklin from the UFC interviewing him. And he has, it was a whole talk about failure and stuff like that. And how you learn from failures. I mean, I would have been like, there's no way that's going to happen. Looking back, I'm like, you know, know Rich Franklin quite well and had him on my podcast like two times now. It's been pretty awesome. So again, just, just from doing it, just throwing it out there and just going for it and seeing what happens. It, can always come home again if you have to. That's no, exactly. Exactly. It's if it ain't going to kill you and, 99% of the time it won't, you're going to be better. You're going to be stronger. So, well, Roar, the Canadian Maple Alexander, it has been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on this show. I am so happy that you reached out to me. Uh, I couldn't have found a better superhero to have on this show. So thank you so much for coming on, sharing your experiences, opening up and uh, just sharing your knowledge with my audience. Awesome. And again, thank you for having me on. And yeah, if anybody's out there and interested in, like I said, my uh, whole motto is helping you live leaner, stronger, and better, you know, and, and pretty much in that order. <laughs> I, <laughs> Reach out. I love it. I love that's that's And that's exactly how it needs to be done. So thank you once again for everybody listening to the podcast. Uh, I am so blessed and honored to be the host of this show and to get people like the Canadian Maple on this show. It's just incredible the people that I'm blessed to come across and that is able to share their experience, their knowledge and their tools with you. So keep listening in. We're going to have more great guests like Roar on this show. And I just really appreciate the time that you guys spend listening to me. So with that said, peace out. <laughs>